we are live now with a very exciting show coming to you with Penny Power, me, Thomas Power, and Chris Deems, who's our guest. And Hi, Penny. Hi, Thomas. We'll be talking about, today we're going to be talking about finance and not in a boring number, accountable way. It's going to be about a very emotional aspect of it, how we feel about it, how we plan for it. You know, what might be the things that make us think that we can't plan for it? Sometimes we feel that we're in scarcity and we think that that's not the time to talk to a financial planner. We think we need to have money when to talk to a financial planner. There are all sorts of things and barriers that we put in our head. And I can talk from experience on that. Um, and also we're going to talk about retirement and do people actually plan for retirement? And do people actually want to retire? And how do you make sure that you really manage your life the way that you want to lead it and have the money to be able to do that. So um, it is going to be fantastic talking to Chris. He has his own company um, who are helping people. And we talked about earlier about uh, with Chris about the fact there's sort of a coaching and expert aspect to this. So there's the expertise of understanding as a independent financial advisor, but also um, the emotion and the passion around the coaching someone and listening to them. And so this is going to be great. You're going to love it. Now, before I introduce Chris formally, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, what this uh, podcast is all about. It's called BIP Chat and BIP stands for Business is Personal. And it's a philosophy that Thomas and I have believed in, well, all our lives. But we started formulating that um, philosophy in 1998 when we started the first social network in the world for business owners. And let's face it, business is personal. And we are in a very interesting age now where that's okay. Those people who used to say to you, Penny, it's not personal, it's just business. Well, quite frankly, they're out of date because emotion, how we manage our mind, how we feel about our life, how we feel about our business, how we want to connect with others. We are now allowing those personal human needs into our lives. So we run uh, Businesses Personal 100, BIP 100, with experts. And Thomas, over the last two uh, years and three months, has interviewed over a thousand people to join our beautiful community. And um, why have we got about 80 members out of those 3,000? It's because it is really hard to find people who have expertise, but also agree that business is personal and have the time and the um, mindset to give people time and care for them and so we're really proud that Chris Deems is one of our very very esteemed members and Chris um, thank you for joining us today and we've got a lot to talk about we, can we start off just framing this so people know a little bit about you sure <clears throat> so hello everybody my name is Chris uh, where do I start um Probably starting with the most important job in the world for me isn't financial financial planner or even podcast host. It's dad. Um, and my two girls are uh, 11 and 19 now. I'm still trying to mentally navigate Penny being the dad of an adult child. I'm just trying to work that one, one out personally. Um, but everything I do comes from what I try and teach my girls. Um, and... Uh, as a as a business, Savello Financial Planning, we're very uh, values focused, um, but it's about what I try and teach Charlotte and Sophie, which is have fun every day, just get a little bit better every day, always be fair, open, honest and transparent and um, do well and do good. 
So make sure that you know commercially you're um, you're you're looking after yourself and your families, but never forget that you need to make sure that you're making a positive contribution to the world too. Um, and that's mm. why I'm I'm loving being part of the Bit One Hundred community because I agree with you. By the way, I think there's a change in perception in business certainly from the 80s 90s and and over the last couple of decades where it used to be all about the money um and now it's all about the relationships and the people and i'm sure we'll explore this a little bit sort of further on when we start talking about the work we do on behalf of our clients i'm doing a piece of research at the minute for my next book and i'm speaking to a lot of my clients about what as they get older um what's the most important elements of their lives it's always the relationships it's always the relationships it's those conversations with their mums dads sons and daughters and wives and partners that that always seem to be more prominent particularly as you mature yeah i love that and so yeah you you reflect exactly the sort of person we love to introduce and I think one of the reasons we run this podcast is a lot of people think it's critical to constantly be hunting for clients and they use social media and their marketing always to look for clients. But actually our business becomes whole and we become whole when we also have great suppliers and people that are packing your parachute, which is a story that many of you will know from Chris Plum, Captain Plum. Um, and that's people around you just caring for you. Yeah. And um, and so it's lovely that you have this strong attitude towards this and so um give us a, a typical if, if it's not putting on the spot too much a sort of a typical scenario when somebody would come to you and you know what would they be saying how would they be feeling what do they want to achieve so the, the story i always tell is uh, alistair so alistair has been a client of mine for nine years now um he came to me and typically there's a perception of what financial advisors and planners do, which is all of the technical stuff. You know, am I is my pension invested in the right place? Am I being charged effectively? You know, all of the stuff. And we do all that. But what we like to do at Sabello is connect that to what it means to somebody's life. So are they spending their time doing what they really love? And when Alistair came to see me, he, was not, he still is, he's in his 70s now, but he's, a, uh, he, he's an architect. And he was working, funny enough, on the World Cup stadiums for the, for the World Cup that's just happened in Qatar. So he was, he was an architect and he was building World Cup stadiums. And he, um, he said to me, Chris, you know, I, I get that you're technically good at what you do, but all of that sort of living the life I want I'm doing that already because I'm getting to work on these really amazing projects and I love it I was like okay great let's get you technically organized and make sure that's that's all done um and then as as life goes on we'll talk about actually just spending time doing what you really love um he came back we did his review next year he was still working on that project the following year he came back he said Chris they've changed my project and now I'm building tower blocks and not football stadiums anymore. And frankly, <laughs> I'm not inspired because all I'm building is, uh, are, these, are these blocks. Um, and, and we do a thing called cash flow that, like a business cash flow, helps people work out whether they're ever going to run out of money again. 
Um, and I said to him, look, we've done the we've done the work on this based on what you tell me you spend and the lifestyle you want. You're never going to run out of money again. Um, he said, well, I'm, I'm a bit scared about giving up work because that gives me purpose. I said, not suggesting that. And we'll talk about whether retirement's right for, for anybody or everybody uh, uh, later on. But how about you only do work you love? He said, right, I'm doing that. And that, for me, is the power of financial planning. The power of financial planning allows you to make decisions with your life because you're really, really clear with where you are financially. So he knocked down the tab lock. <laughs> he, he said no to the contract. And, and it, it's real. So uh, let me bring Alistair's story like far, far forward. So um, Alistair, you know, we see him every year. And you know, I'm very, very fortunate that I get to build. Because when you come and speak to somebody like me, it's not an easy conversation for a lot of people to have. Um, I think it's like metaphorically, it's like going to the gynecologist, actually. I mean, you are literally showing everything. You know, you know what? We don't take that for granted. When somebody comes to us and says, "Here's my life," I know. Um, it, it is a it is a big leap of faith, and yeah. actually, it's one we take really seriously. We we understand the relationship. It's with- a little bit like Catholic confession, isn't it? Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Yes. Well, I mean, apart from the fact that it's not on us to make any judgments at all. So, so my my job is to understand where somebody wants to get to, understand where they are. I, uh, the the important bit to me is getting them to the point where they can live the life they want. What what I, I find really fascinating. So Thomas and I are fifty eight. So we we spend a lot of our time with people maybe from their late forties through to seventies. Yeah. I might be a similar age bracket to you, and that generation um, are definitely. On the whole, I feel are not as secure as uh, the previous generation were financially. There's been so much disruption, so much um, risk. A lot of people have taken risk that our forefathers didn't take. A lot yeah. of people have had bad property advice or experiences. You know, definitely, I get a sense when we have these very open conversations around the dinner table at some of our events in London, and you know, it is very normal. Actually, just the other day, somebody said to me. Um, oh, by the way, I'm going to have to have a mortgage till I'm 75. And there were three people and they said, yeah, us too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, and and I looked at these people and were really, really sort of think, wow, really? And um, certainly Thomas and I will have a mortgage a lot longer than our parents had to. Um, so it is. That's I why we all need personal trainers. Yeah, that's why we need to keep fit. So it's, it, do you find this, Chris, do you find that there's an age bracket that are, are much more financially challenged for the future than, than so, before? So my, my typical client, so I'm 45, so I'm, get, I'm getting to the point of, of, um, of that age bracket. I'm, 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 I'm now in my late 40s, which is, again, something I'm trying to uh, mentally navigate. Um, but um, my, I think my perspective, my perspective on it's probably skewed about uh, in terms of the clients we take on because they do tend to have uh, accumulate some level of level of wealth. Um, uh, but interestingly, what I tend to find is people leave the because there is a stigma attached to financial clarity uh, and 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 understand where you are financially and the fear of working that out. Um, people leave it too late. 
So we get a lot of individuals come to us uh, saying, not keen on what I'm doing at the minute. I want to make a change and want to know where I'm financially to, to work out whether I can afford to do it. Okay, great. When are you planning to make this change? Um, can we do it tomorrow? And <laughs> the reality yeah. is that we need a bit of runway to, if we're not financially independent already, we probably need a couple of years to get to a point where we are, uh, at, the, at the very least. Um, and when you say changes, what what do you mean by changes? What are the sort of yeah, so the recipe book? <laughs> so 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 let, let let me let me give you let me give you another example. Alistair's example is a really good one. Uh, the other one that uh, the other story I always tell is a client of mine called Mike, who's um, head of head X, head of R and D at a motor firm, motor company. So he said, I love the job. I get to play with new technology all the time. And that's really exciting. Um, but I've been promoted now four or five times and I'm, I'm I'm doing more management than engineering. So we explored this and said, well, what do you, what do you love? Well, if you could get up every day and just do that, um, uh, what would you do? And he said to me, I love encouraging young people to get into engineering. I was like, amazing love that so how do we engineer your time so you're doing more of that Chris in the current job it's not possible um uh, so I want to know whether I can afford to make the changes I need just to do the bit of the job I love I don't want to stop just want and and that's why I need to work out whether he was uh whether that's why he needed to work out whether he was financially independent we did the maths and like built the plan and did all that and said, Mike, uh, the other factor was that he had an autistic son that he wanted to make sure was looked after. So, so you know, we needed to factor that money in as well. So we built his plan and said, Mike, um, you're never going to run out again. Um, uh, and you can do what you want. Um, he, um, <laughs> he retired, but he's 58, Mike. He retired for three months. Um, at the start of Jan, on the 3rd of Jan, Penny and Thomas, I got a WhatsApp from, from him uh, with him making, um, you know, those model airplanes. Do you know, do you know, like those, uh, what are they called? Are they um, airfix? He said, he said, he sent me this WhatsApp saying, Chris, what have you done to me? I, this is how I'm spending my time now. And I had a call with him this morning. He's found his ideal job, which is, uh, working part time, but just in the area of developing young people's skills, and Lovely. that's that's what the so so when we get into the actual mechanics of understanding how to make the changes, what are the sort of processes from a financial point of view? Is yeah. it about looking at your pension, looking at your run rate with money? What is it that they're doing? So, what, what should we all be doing? So starting point is strategic. So the, the looking at the pension stuff is the more tactical element. The starting point is the strategy. And there's some really important, important questions I'd recommend people ask themselves when they're thinking about financial independence. So number one is if you had complete freedom of time, um, how much income every year would you need to live the life you want? That, that's the that's the key question um and assuming you weren't working uh, 
assuming, and there's a difference here, Thomas, assuming you could choose to work if you wanted to, but you weren't doing it for the money. Okay, so you're including your living costs, your holiday costs, your lifestyle costs. You are. Okay. So what income would you need? Um, so if you carried on working, you'd do it for fun or you do it for purpose or you do it to give back, but you wouldn't do it because you needed the paycheck. So that, that's part one. Part two, what income have you got? So if if I give you an example, I've got a client who runs a plumbing business who he just doesn't get involved day to day. His son-in-law runs it, funny enough, and it just runs without him. Um, and that generates an income that we include in his financial plan because he's not spending his time day to day running the business. So you'd you'd take that off. You take things like for my clients in their sixties, late sixties, state pension. So you know that's about ten thousand pound a year. So you take that off, um, and you'd effectively come at the bottom, come with an income number that is the amount you'd need to be financially independent. Um, now, without we we do some really complicated sort of planning on that, but there is a really easy way to work out whether you're financially independent or not, and it's called the four percent rule. So all you do is you take that number, that amount of income you need, divide it by four and times it by a hundred, um, and that's the sort of level of wealth you need to never ever run out of money again. And what's that number, Chris? It's different for all of us, isn't it? Yeah, it depends on what you're spending. What's what's a typical average across your clientele? Now this now this is really interesting, Thomas, because <laughs> we have people we speak to quite a lot who say, "What do other people aspire to do?" And my answer is always the same. But there has to be an average. Uh, I mean, for, for for my for my clients, it's about two million um in terms of the aspiration they they want to they want to get to um they want but, two million pounds locked away in some pensions of some uh, assets of some two, form yeah, I mean, I, and, and it might not be two million in a pension because there are rules around how much can hold in pensions as an individual there's a cap which is sort of just over a million pounds each it doesn't matter what the wrapper is what matters is the overall wealth designed to help you live the life you want and generate that's really interesting. Over time. I was talking to someone the other day who um, actually runs a network and the network is for people that want to make £10,000 a month. And they, they, they said if they can make £10,000 a month in however way they create it, then they've got the life, the right life. Um, I mean, that, you know, and I said to him, well, but people still got mortgages to pay and what they're doing with that. But he just said that seems to be a number as well. So I don't know how that collates to what two million pounds, uh, you know, as an asset would deliver to you each month. Yeah, I'd, I mean, I'd have to I'd have to get my software out. Um, yeah. yeah. uh, so um, that's an interesting number because that's the number they advertise on the lottery. Um, ten pounds. Ten thousand pounds a month for the rest of your life, or thirty years. So that's about what four and a half million pounds. Yeah, I, I tell you, I tell you what's, I tell you what's interesting though about the. You know, I think we were spoke, speaking before, Thomas, about would you take the 
£10,000 a, a month or a lump sum that equates to it. And there's a big debate. Oh, a lump sum every time. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, this is the other thing. When we think about how we spend money, particularly when I'm building financial plans for clients, the odds are that when they've got, when once my clients have achieved financial independence, let's take Alistair as an example. So Alistair, um, in 2018, we did his review. And for, uh, for years, I'd been saying to him, look, you're telling me you've got this list of stuff you want to do. Um, uh, we've modeled all those costs into your life and um, uh, you're not, you're just not spending the money. So, so one of the aspirations that he had was he wanted to go shark diving off of, uh, off of the coast of Cape Town. I was like, that sounds amazing. Why are you not doing that? Um, and it's interesting because this is where it comes back to the behavioral element. You know, once if we've built a life where we're just accumulating money, sometimes we struggle to spend it as well because we've ne we've never done that. So it's my friend Eric, I cycle with, says he knows that if he doesn't fly first class, his kids will. Yeah, I, I funny enough, one of my other clients, Thomas, has got a really great phrase, um, and he comes to me, and not everybody's like this. Like I gave you Mike as an example. I think I'm I'm a probably more like Mike than the client I'm going to tell you about. I I I I had never had any money. I I I'm never going to receive an inheritance. Yeah, you know, we've had to build the business. You know, we're first generation wealth in the Dames family because we we've had to had to do that ourselves. Um, I do I do worry about spoiling my kids and making sure they grow up with the values of hard work and you know determination and resilience and perseverance. And I'm. I'm not convinced I get that right. I probably, <laughs> probably give them too much, to be honest. Um, but um, uh, what's interesting is, so Mike's very much. I want to make sure my son's okay because you know because of the autism. Uh, I've got one client who said to me, "My kids are going to be alright. I've educated them. They've gone through everything they want. So your job, Chris, is to make sure my last check bounces." That's that's his phrase. So oh, wants, no. He wants to spend everything before he goes. That's uh, a funny phrase. Can I just ask that 4% rule? Yeah. Uh, the, the £2 million worth of uh, wealth, I presume that people have that stored in some, some asset. That's excluding their house, presumably. Excluding their property, yeah. So 4% of 2 million is 80,000 a year. So is that the typical average uh, income people like to retire on? Depends on the individual. Um, but, but that's a good got, average, isn't it? Yeah, we've got, we've got there, there's some really interesting stats to say between 60 to 80 would give you a really comfortable retirement. Um, Assuming uh, you've paid off your property. Assuming, assuming the mortgage is paid off, and I, I suppose the other big thing, we and you're not going to Antarctica on holiday. Well, it depends on how often. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but this is the other thing, you know, like you talk about that lump sum. The shape of how people spend money tends to be, in in, in my experience, different. So what tends to happen is people once they know that they can really have a year where they go well look i'm financially free i'm going to really enjoy this time and all of those places that i've really wanted to travel to i'm going to go to um 
but then it, it equalizes a bit. Um, so the first couple of years tend to be more expensive years once you know you've achieved financial independence, then it equalizes a bit. Um, and then you've got in later life and we've got clients who we've helped in this area, plus also parents uh, clients we've helped in this area, you've got the impact of care costs to factor in and all of this. So as we, um, let, me, let me move on to another area because people that might be listening might be feeling they're in financial chaos at the moment. And, you know, they might even have the head in the sand. Yeah. Uh, it's quite incredible how many people will say, and I'm sure you know this, oh, I don't look at my bank statement and all, you know, they just, they just turn a blind eye to it. It's almost too frightening. Um, it's gone out of control. Have you had people come to you like that, that really need almost financial education and calming down and things? So, so we, we're lucky as a practice that we've, we've, yeah, we've built a decent, a decent client bank. So, as part of our do well, do good philosophy, if somebody comes to us and says, look, Chris, I don't know, and as you know, I'm a big advocate of kindness. Um, I, I also believe in using what I've learned to help really wealthy people, to help people who really need it. Um, uh, so we give away 10 hours a month doing pro bono work, um, right. which we never charge for. People come to see us. We put them on the right financial track. We help them understand that there's always, like in any aspect of our life, incremental steps we can take to, yeah. to, to improve where we are. Um, and, and is there a common common reason that you can see that people have got themselves into this situation? I think it comes back to that emotion around money. Um, I think it comes back to that number one, it's scary to speak to somebody about money. Um, and and interestingly, it's also scary if you've got a lot of it. Um, mm. It's not it's not people who are who are, who are lacking money are always scared. It's that how do I focus on it when I've when I've built and achieved? Let it. me give you a scenario. Then I talked to a really gorgeous man a couple of weeks ago who went from having a very successful business and then COVID completely killed it yeah. to, you know, losing his home, losing his marriage and living in the kitchen, someone's kitchen on the floor in a sleeping bag. Um, you know, he was a really bright guy. He's just got to, and he was in his early 60s. He's got yeah. to really rebuild from that place. And, you know, first of all, anybody listening to this, I don't think, um, this is necessarily uncommon, but you can come back from that place if you have good people around you. Have you had anybody in that sort of scenario and they're literally having to really relearn money and how they're going to go ahead? Because sometimes these are these are risk risk based entrepreneurs that can get into sure, the situation. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, my own my own personal aspect on that is, and, and particularly if you're in a position where you love what you do age in that respect is just a number isn't it you know it's just that element of, of yeah um, what incremental steps do we need to do to start again um uh, and I, i'd imagine it's and again it's there's elements of embarrassment and shame and 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 all these emotions wrapped up in 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 that in that guy's experience but you should never feel like that because we've 
you know, it's easy to make mistakes, isn't it? And sort of, you know, I think the big thing, Penny, is being open about it with people you trust. Yeah. Because my my experience with um, people who make really big financial mistakes is they've tried to make decisions on their own without help from somebody yeah. they trust to support yeah. them through it. Um, uh, because we feel that we're we're all grown up, and therefore we yeah. we we should be really good at this sort of stuff. But why? You know, um, and what I've learned through, I mean, I'm still on a learning journey as a business owner, um, uh, uh, and still make mistakes every day. But one thing I have learned is don't try and do it alone. No. Um, don't that make sure you're sort of getting a really good community and support team around you yeah. when stuff like this comes up at the very least you can do is talk about it yeah yeah no that's a, a really good point so as we move towards the end of the show that moves us really nicely onto your book and your project the kindness project tell us a little bit about that yeah so um I, can I can I just say two things yeah. about this because and, and it alludes to what we've talked about already um in when I so let me tell you a little bit about the the podcast um in a effort to make sure my 13 year old daughter still wanted to talk to me um I, I about five years ago we started a podcast um and there was two as I said two motivations number one I wanted to make sure that I had something that I worked with uh, Charlotte my oldest daughter on and Sophie now gets to involve my youngest daughter as well um uh, and 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 Secondly, I was looking at the news and realising that all I heard was stories of everything going wrong in the world, when my lived experience was that actually people are generally, generally good, you know, people are, are generally positive. So I wanted to share some of those stories. So the Kindness Project was all about um, creating a platform uh, where I could um, be really curious about what motivated drove um uh really good people doing amazing things in the world um and in the last five years we've been really lucky enough to meet some amazing people uh, i love having a podcast because you can just phone people up and go you're really interesting will you come and have a chat with me yeah. um so your it, podcast is called the kindness project yeah it is um yeah uh, and then and then what we what we've done recently because uh, we've got five years of, um, of of interviews, is take all of those interviews and put them in a book. Um, but when I was thinking oh, about... Oh, I see. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not the interviews directly. It's the lessons le lessons I've learned from the people I've interviewed uh, for, for the five years. But What are you calling the book? It's called The Kindness Project. The, the Kindness Sun. Project. I've got it. Yeah. yeah somewhere. How, yeah. Many, how many interviews have you done in those five years, you and Charlotte? So we're on episode 260, so uh, about... 260 episodes? 260 episodes, yeah. And, and you've, the, you've edited that down into a book of lessons learned? Yeah, absolutely. Lessons yeah. learned about kindness, lessons learned about business, or just lessons learned? So there is, there is, a, there is a, um, a chapter on how to be kind in business, because I firmly believe you can do both. You know, do do well, do good, particularly when you're in a profession like mine where it's about trust. You know, doing the right thing just makes sense to me. Um, what so, are the other chapters about? 
Well, interestingly, so this is it comes back to Penny's point. Chapter two, I was when I was thinking about how I wanted to share this, I thought, where do we start? So chapter one is all about, you know, uh, a lot about my mum, because my mum, weirdly, even though she was shockingly bad with money, she's my shining light when it comes to kindness. And we lost her in 2019. But every time I think about doing stuff, like I always go back to what would what would mum say? That that's my uh, so you're saying your mum was kind and broke? Kind and not that smart with money, and I'm hoping to do one and not the other. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, that's the interesting thing. I think you learn both positive and negative lessons sometimes from parents. You do, yeah. Much. You're right, you do. About, about stuff. So, but chapter two, and this comes back to your, um, your uh, conversation earlier on in the week, Penny, uh, is all about being kind to yourself. So we need to do as humans to make sure that um, we are um, there for the world, but also starting from a point where if we're kind of to ourselves, we've got more energy to give, I believe. Um, yeah, and, and one of the one of the um stories I tell in the book, and, and this is this is a. Uh, this is a bit about uh, sort of um, about practicing what I preach is it's okay to make mistakes and admit it. You know, um, the story I tell in the book is a uh, I my dad's seventy four now, and every year we go away on a holiday together, and uh, we've done it for about ten years. Um, and the last time we went away in twenty nineteen, pre COVID, was um, was to Gibraltar. And I booked the holiday, really excited. We were staying in the Hotel Gibraltar um, and uh, flew into Gibraltar, got in a cab outside the airport. And um, I, said, I said, can you take us to the Hotel Gibraltar, please, mate? And the guy said, definitely not. I was like, why is that? He went, well, Chris, the Hotel Gibraltar isn't in Gibraltar. It's in Spain. <gasps> so I booked. <laughs> I booked a hotel in the entirely wrong country for this trip. So if you've ever been to Gibraltar, you you know that you can just walk across the border. Spain's not that far. And I'd Google Maps it, Penny, and it was 10 minutes away. You know, you could walk to the walk to the hotel, got to the other side of the of the um of the border, got in a cab, said, can you take us to the hotel Gibraltar? Yeah, that'd be 12 euros didn't have any euros because in Gibraltar they use pounds sterling so we'd only bought pounds so dragging <laughs> my dad 10 minutes down the road to that hotel knowing that I've made that mistake wasn't a uh wasn't a good thing. advert for your fiscal skills well but, but this is the, geography yeah no definitely <laughs> definitely not but the reason I tell it and somebody emailed me after reading the book over Christmas saying that story made me laugh and cringe, uh, is because I wanted to make sure people knew that we can all make mistakes and actually get to a point where we need to sometimes admit those mistakes and be kinder to ourselves about it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's good. It's a good story. Good, good, it's a good philosophy. story. Uh, my dad's just about forgiven me for that one. <laughs> no, I think he can take that one on for a long time I think yeah. so um as we close up so you you say your company name Savella but let's spell it for people 
So could you spell out how they can find you on a website? Yeah, so it's the website's www.cervello, that's Cervello FP Financial Planning, cervellofp.co.uk. Brilliant. And why? what's the name mean? It's um, it's Italian for brain. So that's what it means. Now, nice. I, I, I I appreciate that. I've just told that Gibraltar story and that might not allude well, to, you have to, be to being good brave. at what we do. But we are hopefully deliver yeah. our sort of both the emotion and the intelligence to help people live the lives they want financially. That is beautiful. So um, and on LinkedIn, you can look up Chris. His surname is Deems, Dames which is actually pronounced D, spelled, I should say, D-A-E-M-S, D-A-E-M-S. That's a Flemish name, isn't it? It is, yeah. Belgium, Dutch, Dutch, Belgium. So that's where three generations back my dad's side of the family comes from. Lovely. As you can tell by the accent. <laughs> yeah, not, not at all Essex. No. no a really, um, really fantastic conversation here. And I hope anybody that's um, listened to this, well, first of all, sees what a great guy Chris is, which, and but also... You know, money is an emotional thing. Money is an energy. Money is something that we either love or fear, depending on how we wake up in the morning. And um, and things can happen in our lives. And we shouldn't be embarrassed by some of the mistakes, the risks um, and the things that, that hit us. And I suppose, finally, what, what Chris says is you have to talk to someone. You mustn't be ashamed um, and from the experience that Thomas and I have had personally and in my book, Business is Personal, chapter two is called Being Broken. And that's not just financially. That was our spirit and our identity. We went through some of our own challenges. And so um, we hope that if you've listened to this, you feel more confident about planning and also just opening your mind up to the fact that you can get back in control of your finances and you can lead the life you want. And um, that's a that's a great message, Chris. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely loved really it. enjoyed it. And um, and also please everyone look up the Kindness Project podcast. It's uh, lots of wonderful interviews on there. And the rest of you have a fantastic day. And thank you for giving you giving us your attention. <laughs>